your Saturday morning happy place. Here to make your weekend great. That's our job at Rosie on the House. Here we go. Yeah. I'm happy Woo-hoo. and I'm free. Yeah. Just listen to the wind blow. We've got a little breeze blowing this morning. Look at those trees outside. Nice. This is where you set your Saturday morning alarm. We truly are the start of your weekend now with sunrise coinciding with the start of the show for the central part of the state. It's our job every Saturday morning to melt away your anxieties and explode your fears and relax your heart. And we're going to start that this morning at Rosie on House with a special guest. As you know, the 7 o'clock hour is our hour. We get to do anything we want. 8 o'clock, we've got John Jay. Romy's here, my co-host. Romes, good morning, bud. He'll be in talking uh, anything about your landscape or gardening you'd like to uh, be prepared to talk about. You can call in at one 767 4348 of course, there's a text at 411-923 and email at info at Rosie on the House. Nine o'clock open line hour. We also have a pair of Coyotes tickets we'll be giving away. All right. And then 10 o'clock is our topic hour, and we have special guest Nathan Angel from Belgard Papers. That's right. Talking about outdoor hardscape and outdoor living. And you might want to queue up your 8 o'clock landscape question because today's our one day of fall. We're like we're in the cusp right here. It's, it's like the coolest day of the month, but like for Thanksgiving, we're be, we're gonna be touching on ninety again. So, but our guest in this morning has come down from Flagstaff, where she's experiencing a little bit cooler weather, but not quite the snow we'd hope for. And for anyone traveling to Flagstaff today, oh. or anyone listening at Flagstaff, welcome, Calf Country Legends, uh, ninety-three-five FM and nine thirty AM to the seven o'clock hour. You're joining KGVY in Green Valley. K-A-Z-M in Sedona and K-T-A-R out of Phoenix. Welcome K-Q-N-A to K-Q-N-A s- in Prescott. So Not on the 7 got it all hour. Got it all lined up, covering the state. So we have a guest that has come down from Flagstaff this morning, Mrs. Ann McGuffey. She's a mom, but that's not why we invited her here this morning. She's a long-distance hiker, a trail runner, a wilderness lover, and a health coach. Her lifestyle and her work is focused on healthy living, being outside in nature, and helping people be healthy, whole, and vibrant at any age. So we're going to have like a one-on-one conversation between me and her. Anne has completed a through-hike of the Arizona Trail recently, just in 2016, and last summer hiked about 250 miles of the Colorado Trail. She lives with her husband and her dog in Flagstaff, and thanks for making the trip down and joining us this morning. Thank you, Rosie, for having me. Oh, this is going to be a blast. So, you know, if you map quest uh, Nogales to Page, you drive across the state of Arizona in a south-to-north transient that's about 415 miles. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I've, I've never done that. That's great to know. Yeah, but if you walk it on the Arizona Trail... It's what, 810 miles? It's roughly 800, <laughs> and it varies a little bit because there's trail reroutes and improvements that are always happening. Okay. 
Yeah, but there's a reason why it's 800 and not 400 and something. Yeah, I bet there is. Well, it's a spectacular route. It basically starts at the base of the Cherokee, not the Cherokee, it's the Huachucas, down there below Coronado National Forest, uh, and crosses the state and ends up basically it, around Fredonia? Yeah, it ends up in the... Uh, House Rock Valley area, okay. kind of roughly between Page and Fredonia, near the Vermilion Cliffs. Yes. Okay. Perea Canyon. All right. So, recreate for me how this got on your bucket list, because not uh, the the accomplishment isn't that you hiked it, but that you hiked it through. There's some people when you go on the website aztrail.org. You can see a list of all the finishers, and some people do it in 52 days. I see some people here uh, that 68 days, 7 days. Here's, here's someone that took 21 years. <laughs> they did it in segments. Right. right. There's okay. a lot of people that do hike it in segments. But Anne McGuffey, I can see your name here on the list as a finisher. Uh, uh, parenthetically, I guess your trail name is Wonder Woman. Right. That's okay. my trail name. And you completed it in 75 days. That's awesome. Yeah. So you asked, like, how, how did I get the idea? Yes. Like, yes. How did that get on your bucket yeah. list? Yeah. Well, I, I moved to Arizona with my husband 14 years ago. From? And from Southern California. Okay. Welcome. And um, <laughs> I started learning about the Arizona Trail. I Were think you it, a hiker, trail runner? Yes, in I was. I was. Okay. I've been a hiker and a trail runner for a long time, and that's partly why we moved to Flagstaff because there's so many trails, forest everywhere. Sedona's close by, so as a hiker, I began to learn about the Arizona Trail, and it it really was almost a calling. It was. It wasn't like. I was looking for a long-distance trail. It was the really. It felt like the Arizona Trail called me, and I just felt compelled to hike it. And it fascinated me this path that goes through the entire state, and I would experience all these different, you know, mountain ranges and canyons and and all the history and culture along the way. And so in about 2008, I decided I'm going to through-hike this trail. But my daughter was young at the time and okay. in, I think, middle school. And, and to through-hike the trail, the seasons are the spring if you're hiking northbound okay. or the fall if you're hiking southbound. Okay. And that's just, that just works with the weather. Okay. So, so I realized that 2016 was the year that I could do it because she was graduating from high school in 2015. So that was when I could be away. Okay. So I just put it on the calendar, March of 2016, I'm going to start hiking the trail, and I made it happen. And so what, what kind of conditioning prep? I mean, you, you live in a state of being in good condition, but anything special for this well, mainly it was the uh, the preparation as far as logistics, equipment, food. I updated almost all of my hiking gear. I bought all, <laughs> I, but I spent two years doing that. I started about two years okay. before spring of 2016. I wanted to spread out the cost. I wanted to have time to test everything. Yes. And because I returned something, some things didn't work, and it took a while to get the gear that I wanted. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck <laughs> out halfway between the Chiricahua Mountains and, and Patagonia and realize, 
These shoes leave a lot of blisters. <laughs> right. And it happens to a lot of hikers. Those things happen. And I'm somebody that I'm pretty thorough in my preparation. So a lot of hikers don't do as much advanced preparation as I did. Some people even start out with a brand new pair of shoes. I don't recommend it. So I tried a couple different shoes six months out, had time to hike in them. So I really spent a lot of time with my gear and my food preparation. Um, As far as my physical conditioning, I just kept doing what I normally do. I just kept hiking and trail running. And of course, I would get out and put a backpack on my back and go backpacking whenever I could. But really, it was more the logistics. All right. Recreate for me what was going through your head and your heart as you're leaning against the barbed wire fence that we call the international border. (laughs) And you're looking to the north and you take your first step. What's, what's going through your head? Yeah, that was, it was really an exciting moment. It really was. And a good friend was with me. We shot a bunch of videos. We kind of, we had a whole celebration at the border before I took off and took my first steps. And she hiked with me for the next mile and a half or so. Um, and then when she left me, that was when now <laughs> I'm alone because this, I planned this as a solo hike. And I remember those, those steps as I, and, the, and that's where the trail starts to get steeper. There's, the trail is very steep from the Mexico border for the first six and a half miles or so. It gains 3,000 feet in just six and a half miles. And it was kind of a warm midday, March day. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, and here it is. And? (laughs) Welcome to the Arizona Trail. It was, you know, it was exciting. I was also relieved because the preparation had been... I could see see that. ...a a little bit stressful. Okay. (laughs) Not only was I preparing everything for my hike with my food and preparing resupply boxes, which I can talk about what those are, but also just to step away from my life for three months and my family and my business. I put my wellness business on hold. So that was a lot. That is a lot. (laughs) So you start there and you're you're doing this in the spring? Right. It was March 24th was the date I started. Okay. And so you've got the trail, the 800-mile trail, logistically broken down into resupply points, I imagine. Right. Okay. And you've pre-stocked the trail with your supply boxes? Well, most of the supply boxes I left at home. Okay. um, And they were all addressed and ready to go. And my husband had a list of the dates to mail them all. I only mailed the first few. I mailed one to Patagonia was my first town. I mailed one to Tucson. That was probably it. The rest of them he mailed, and he had a schedule of mailing them. But never, nothing ever goes according to plan with an adventure like this, so right. I was not quite on that schedule. So, you know, we made some adjustments. But I left him with all the boxes because then he could adjust anything in the boxes if I realized I want more nutrition bars, or can you put some batteries in the box you're mailing to Pine, that kind of thing. Well, I've just got tons of questions, and we're going to come back (laughs) talking with Ann McGuffey, a through-trail hiker of the Arizona Trail, in in one non-stop visit that stretched about 75 days. She covered 800 miles. 
from the southern border of Arizona to the northern border of Arizona where it meets Utah. We're going to come back with Ann talking about her adventure, her preparation, and her logistics right here at Rosie on the House. Welcome back to Rosie on the House, where we have special guest in studio, Wonder Woman, known by her family and friends as Mrs. Ann McGuffey, through hiker of the Arizona Trail in 2016, booted all 800 miles of the trail. You could say I, I wore trail runners as my shoes. Okay. So, so I can't really say I booted. Okay. And... Uh, I want to talk shoes a little bit later, but I can't not wonder what's on your diet all of these days that you're out there on the trail. What what? I mean, I I do a lot of hiking, and about the se- when I'm in when I'm on a, the end of a second day of a hike, I'm like fed up with powerboard. There 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 isn't an, a power bar flavor I'm interested in anymore at that point. So what? How do you? provide the variety in your backpack kitchen to stay interested in the next meal enough to stay proteined up yeah well it is really important to have food that you want to eat and you can keep eating day after day and i eat a primarily a vegetarian diet i eat healthy i eat i typically eat like whole foods and vegetables and greens and that sort of thing so So how do you do that on the trail? Well, one of the things I did was I got a food dehydrator and I made my own dinners. So that was really one of my secrets. So my dinners were things like chili, um, spicy lentils, spicy mung beans. I love Indian food. And I started just dehydrating meals I was already eating and enjoying at home. Now, if I dive into your blog, do you describe the process and how to do that for well, someone else? I don't, but I've okay. written but I've written an ebook. I've written okay. a Trail Recipes ebook. It's called Trail Recipes Whole Foods to Fuel Your Hikes. And I go into a lot of nutrition and just ideas from breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. So it's both for overnight multi-day hikes as well as just a one-day hike. You know, you're going out for half a day and you want to have some healthy snacks and foods that that you enjoy. So many people eat foods that they don't really like on the trail. And right. I, I really don't think it has to be that way. I, we, we can eat foods that we love out on the trail. And to me, it's it's part of the experience. I want to enjoy the entire experience from the being out in the wilderness all the way to what I'm eating. Well, if I'm going to be out on the trail more than a couple days, I, I bring, to break the monotony of my diet, I bring a can of sardines and olive oil, one very thick piece of Texas toast, and a couple things of mustard. And I just mustard the bread, I dump the sardines on it, and I gobble it down. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I've, yeah. Got, I've got that splash variety in my diet instantly right there. <laughs> yeah, and I think my version of that, even though I had most of my food was in my resupply boxes that I would pick up in each town at either the post office or I would mail it to a store or a hotel I was staying at. But then I would also buy tortillas and sliced cheese. Those are foods that I absolutely love, and that just added some 
extra interest to my diet. And then I carry little packets of olives, and I would add olives to my okay. tortillas and cheese, different things, even hummus. I dehydrate hummus, and I would rehydrate that, spread it on the tortilla. Yeah, I, I would be really interested in that. That because I, I I love hummus. I will eat a lot of hummus. So the mornings. What's a breakfast? My typical breakfast is oatmeal, and instead of buying the commercially packaged oatmeal, which I just couldn't eat that day after day, I take organic quick oats and then just mix in things that I like to really make a nutritious, high-protein breakfast. So I put in nuts, different types of nuts, uh, chia seeds, coconut milk powder to add some fat to it. You know, having enough calories is really important. So I just make all my meals as calorie-dense as possible. I'm going to ask you a personal question. From the southern border to the north, over 75 days, hiking 800 miles, you mind sharing what your weight loss was? About 10 pounds. Did that? Okay. Yeah. And I was trying to eat enough so that that wouldn't happen because yeah. I didn't really need to lose weight. Right. You know, maybe I could, maybe three <laughs> or four pounds was okay. But I was looking pretty skinny by the end. And so my, my strategy, because I just couldn't really eat anymore on the trail. So every time I got to a town, I would spend about a day, take a day off, okay. ha have a rest day, and eat as much as I could. So and that go ahead. How often would you hit a town? Because you'd mentioned staying in a hotel earlier. Well, there's probably stretches of 70, 80, 90 miles between towns in some of these areas looking at the map. I mean, right. This isn't like you're staying in a hotel every night. Right. It was m r roughly once a week. Okay. And that had to feel good. Oh, it was nice. It was nice <laughs> to take a shower. Yes. Wash so, my clothes. So we leave the the border, and a mile and a half in, you're abandoned by your friend. Now you're starting the solo trip. What's the first town you hit? Patagonia. Patagonia. It took me five days to walk to Patagonia. We're here with Ann McGuffey, through trail hiker of the Arizona Trail. We're going to talk more about the logistics of tackling a project like this, the resupply boxes. How many times did you have to drink water out of a cattle stock tank? That's the question that's just burning in my mind. What do you do with water, water, water? Heading out to San Francisco for the Labor Day weekend show I got my hiking shoes on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll Hiking shoes, what we talking about today with Wonder Woman, Ann McGuffey Now may I ask a question? Do you know the history of the trail, making the trail? I do, I, know, I do know some of it So when I'm looking at the finishers list The first one, it was in 1982 and then from then to 2001, you had five. And then all of a sudden from 2001, <laughs> then 2002, then 2003, one in each of those years, then no one. And then all of a sudden, it just starts exploding after that. What happened? I mean, well, the, was it the, just that hard to find? <laughs> the trail, I actually Until know then. one of those two guys who hiked it in 1982. And they hiked a different route. They found their own route. The Arizona Trail was... The inception was in the 80s. Dale Shewalter, a Flagstaff school teacher, had the idea, and he began to put together a route. So it started coming together in the 80s, probably started being built in the 90s. 
And he's not the same Flagstaff's professor teacher that wrote Grand Obsession, is he? No. Different. Yeah. This. Yeah. This okay. is Dale. Dale She Walter, and sadly he passed away in in 2010. But it was so he's considered the father of the Arizona okay. Trail, wow. and so he rallied, you know, all kinds of people and organizations to put it together. And so I think since you see so many people after 2001, that the trail just was wasn't really even then it wasn't finished. People had to bushwhack and find their own way in some areas. So I think the route was officially completed around 2011. And I think even before that, it became a federally designated National Scenic Trail, I believe, in 2009. And many things have happened in the last, like in this decade, that have really popularized through hiking. So the book and movie Wild, social (laughs) media, people just are hearing more and more about the Arizona Trail. And it's just become, every year, a more popular route. Now, can you make up your own time? Because who did this in eight days and twelve hours? Probably on a bicycle. It had to. It had to. You can mountain bike it. You can mountain bike. Okay. Yes, you can mountain bike it. I bet bet they went north to south. Yeah, downhill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might think it's downhill. I know. I know you're joking. But the Arizona Trail goes up and over nine mountain ranges. The elevation changes in the southern and central part of the state are humongous. Yeah. That's part of the reason you get up to 800 miles. Okay, so we've talked about some of the training. We've talked about some of the pre-planning that was going on. Let's talk about shoes, okay? Can I do this on a horse? You yeah. can. Je- Jennifer and I have uh, covered uh, about nine segments. Okay, I, I may actually back. get this whole trail done now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yes, you can so, on a horse. Uh, without your feet, you cannot hike. I mean, I, I am very, very protective of my feet when I'm out on the trail. So describe to me your sock arrangement. How many pairs do you have on you? How often are they changed? What's your foot care? And what's your boot of choice? Well, my boot of choice is a trail running shoe. I, I chose... That's all- an ankle height? It's ankle height. So okay. it's a very lightweight shoe. It, the brand is Ultra, is the yep. one that I wear. It's a popular hiking shoe for many long distance hikers. Is that the wide toe? It has a wide foot it has a wide foot box or toe area, which is great because your toes can spread out. You could probably still get blisters, but I had zero blisters. In 800 miles. In 800 miles. That's quite a testimony to that shoe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so what's your sock? I use darn tough socks. Okay. And many years ago, I used to always wear two socks. I would do a liner sock and then a wool sock. I abandoned that quite a long time ago. So I just do one you know, one sock, the darn tough sock. I carry two pairs, so each day I'm alternating. Okay. And then when there's a water source, I'll rinse out the dirty socks and hang them on the outside of my pack so they dry and they get a little sun. Yeah. A little air. A little air, <laughs> right? Um, there but isn't one, al- one pair of shoes. One pair of shoes. Well, oh, the whole 800 miles. No, I had okay. two pairs of shoes. A, okay. a shoe like that will last about 400 miles. Okay. So halfway through, I got a new pair of shoes. That's one and of the. You say new, but I know you. You bought those ahead of time. You broke them in, <laughs> and it was in your mail package right. to get delivered. Yeah. Right. Actually, was... the trail running shoes don't need to be broken in. Is oh. one of the beauties because it's a, just a lightweight shoe. You just don't have all that heavy. You know, leather and build up. That's that... not much of a shoe for for uh, for ascending the Huachuca Mountains with a 
forty pound backpack on? Roughly, yeah, yeah. My my pack. That's not my much pack of a ranged shoe. like thirty <laughs> to thirty five. Sometimes okay. up to forty when I was carrying a lot of water. That's the next thing I want to talk about. Water. There are a lot of dry stretches of this, and and in in. In, in hiking the sections I've done and in, in, in riding the horses on sections my wife and I have done, you'll see water stashes, you know, along the trail. Right. That, that people have just left five or six one-gallon water bottles and it's just tagged. Please do not disturb through hiker coming through on such and such a date. Right. It usually they'll have their name on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a friend left me some water in the Canelo Hills. So okay. just a little north of the Mexico border was my first water cache, people okay. call it. It's like caching, C A C H E. Yes. And I remember I was so excited when I walked up and I saw these two gallon water bottles that just said, as planned. That said Anne in big <laughs> block letters. That was very exciting. But there are stretches where the water can be 10 to 20 miles apart. How much water are you actually carrying in your pack? Generally three to four liters. Okay. But there were times I carried six or seven liters when it was hot. I was in the low desert between Oracle and the Gila River, yes. that's, the, that's the lowest, hottest area. And that's the area where your water sources are either non-existent or they're stock tanks. Rank. They're They're cattle <laughs> tanks. <laughs> and on those hot days, do you just find a shade tree and hover under it during the day and you're walking, you know, maybe a little bit in the dark? I didn't walk in the dark too much. I use a trekking umbrella. It's a very lightweight, I think it's mylar. It has like a silver reflective coating on the outside, so it reflects the sun. And it reduces the temperature that you experience under the umbrella by 15 degrees. So it makes it really comfortable. It would shade the whole upper part of my body. So that makes a big difference. And this is called a... It's a trekking umbrella. Trekking umbrella. Yeah, it's a lightweight trekking umbrella. I've if, got so many questions. If you look online, <laughs> you can you can find them. Are you a walking stick gal? I am. You are? I, one or two? Well, two normally, but if I'm holding the trekking umbrella, <laughs> then I stash one of them in my pack, and I'm using one one uh, trekking pole. Okay, back to water. Back to water. Back to water. Okay. I remember the first time I had to stoop and drink out of a cattle tank. Uh, did you have that experience on any part of your hike? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, many, many cattle tanks. Many? Many, okay. many cattle tanks. So how how my, did you treat it? How do you do that? Yeah, my method, I treat all my water regardless of where I get it. Even if it's a beautiful flowing stream okay. at high elevation, you just don't know if there's cows up right. above or what what's contaminating the water. So I purify all my water. Either I filter it or I chemically treat it. But with the stock tanks, usually there's sediment. There can even be dead bees, dead insects. Oh, You don't want to think of all the dead stuff. There's stuff in in it. (laughs) Right. So I use a bandana to pre-filter it. And I put the bandana over my my water container okay. and pour the water through the bandana and that okay. catches the solid stuff. Yes. So then the big solid the big stuff. stuff. <laughs> and so the water might still have a little discoloration to it, but then so then I chemically or, or with the pills? I use uh, Aquamira drops. Yes. It's a liquid. Yep, yep, so yep. I really like that. It okay. doesn't add much f- taste to the water. So you'll drink stock tank water poured through a bandana with the 
Aquamira drops. Right. Either and it's the, ready to drink at that point. Either the Aquamira drops or... Or I squeeze it with a Sawyer squeeze filter. The Aquavira drops, you have to wait 15 to 30 minutes. Right. So if I want to drink it right away, I use the the F- Sawyer squeeze filter, then I can drink it right away. So I drank a lot of stock tank water. Now, I, I get in the habit of carrying the little individual package of Tang so that when I do have to drink stock water, at least I get a, a flavor in there other than just cow. <laughs> do yeah. you flavor your stock tank water? Well, I do use an electrolyte drink. I okay. have a couple. Okay. I have an electrolyte drink and an energy drink that I would sometimes add to my water, or even a vitamin C, a flavored vitamin C powder, just to give me some extra vitamin C nutrition. But not so much to change the taste of the water, just more because the benefits that that I get from the drink. There was one water source that did taste really bad, and it actually, well, I guess it was a stock tank. It's up, it was up on the North Rim. It was the only one that really tasted bad. All the ones in southern and central Arizona, I, would, I expected them to taste bad, right? but they didn't. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I regularly did it, because I, I, I do carry water when I, but occasionally your Camelback goes dry, and you're still 12 miles from the truck, and it's hot, and there's a stock tank. And I do the ceramic straw a lot. Mm. Have you tried those at all? I have one of those. I haven't used that on a long-distance hike just because I, the Sawyer squeeze filter was a better way to filter a lot of water. Sometimes at a water source, I could be treating four or five liters or quarts. A liter is a quart of water. That's a lot of water to treat. So I just use methods that were... Faster. Sucking and spitting it out of a life straw. <laughs> Take right. a little while. Yeah. And then Carol Grace, my baby, uh, took a sample of stock tank water, brought it home, and put it under a telescope. It instantly became harder for me to drink stock tank water. <laughs> when you see what's there, in it. There were some nasty things swimming around in that water. Yeah. Well, I never got <laughs> sick. Nothing, you know, nothing bad ever happened. I drank stock tank water all through Arizona. Okay. Your 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 pack. Are you in a frame or a frameless? Frameless. I do. I use a lightweight pack. My pack weighs less than two pounds. Okay. And you've got three days of food and a day, day and a half of water on you at all times. Well, usually twenty four hours of water or even less. I generally would hit water sources every twenty four hours. And even though I averaged roughly eleven miles a day over the entire hike. If, a wa- if water sources were 15 miles apart, then I would walk 15 miles. I didn't want to have more than 24 hours between water, so I would increase my mileage. Here with Ann McGuffey, solo through hiker of the Arizona Trails, 800 miles in 75 days solo. In all those days on the trail, any uncomfortable encounters with other hikers or other travelers across the desert? Nope. Fantastic. That's great to hear. All right. She goes by the nickname Wonder Woman. No reason to uh, suspect that or or doubt that for sure. Hiking the Arizona Trail all 800 miles in a matter of 75 days. Absolutely awesome. We're talking water. We're talking socks. We're talking shoes. That's one place we differ. I, I would actually have a different shoe given the terrain. I would not take the same shoe across Oracle Junction Desert as I would hike the Huachucas. I don't think I could hike in an ultra. 
well, with I, a backpack on. I wondered because I thought maybe I would feel too much of the rocks yeah, and sharp yeah. things. But the shoes worked out great. I All didn't. Right. I didn't have any problems. I think my feet just adapted. Okay. I was doing a little research. I've got a curious mind. The average human pace is 2,000 steps per mile. So this is 1.6 million steps on average. Now, we're talking up and down verticals. So you're probably at 2 million steps to get through the Arizona Trail. That's a lot of steps. That's <laughs> Fitbit that. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of elevation climbing up and down, definitely. All right. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me, no matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. Just call my name, I'll be Here with Wonder play. Woman and McGuffey. Oh, and I keep saying through hiker of the Arizona Trail, but I really need to say solo through hiker. Right. Of the Arizona Trail, because that's really one of the one of the things that makes it an incredible journey. Now, do you do you have your little iPod and your earbuds in? Are you you, you got any tunes going at all, or are you just enjoying nature the whole way? I just enjoy nature the whole yeah. way. I thought I might listen to some music on my iPhone, but I didn't. I listened to the birds and the wind in the trees and the sound of my feet yep. crunching on the trail that that's uh, i i prefer that style as well uh at any time in the 75 days the 800 miles was the trip in jeopardy well it was when i was just south of mormon lake village which is a little village south of flagstaff and ironically i was up on the northern part of the in the northern part of the state on the Colorado Plateau where the trail is easy. It's level, it's fairly easy, and I think I got a little complacent and I sprained my ankle. All of a sudden I was on the ground screaming in pain and so I taped up my ankle, I, I wrapped it, I took some ibuprofen, I got up. Without my trekking poles, I don't think I would have been able to walk, but I started walking and I walked into Mormon Lake Village, and I really thought my trip could be over. And my husband was meeting me there with my resupply box. He drove down from Flagstaff, and I was thinking, he's going to have to take oh. me into town. I'm going to have to see a doctor. But I decided to keep going. As I walked, it just felt better. Walked and it I, off. So I walked <laughs> it off. So I did think my trip was in jeopardy at that point, but I did continue on. And in Flagstaff, I did see an orthopedist. I got an ankle brace. And I ended up walking two-thirds of the 800 miles on the sprained ankle. So that's how I got the trail name Wonder Woman. A friend of mine said, I think your trail name is Wonder Woman. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. In all of those segments, and you can go to ArizonaTrail.org, and they actually have topo maps of the different segments of the trail. And there's 43 segments that you can actually look at, and they vary between 10 and 25 miles, any one of those segments just calling your name to come back and hike again? Well, there's there are two that I love that I actually did hike last spring, segments 16 and 17 between the Gila River and the town of Superior. Those are gorgeous, but since I did just hike those 
last spring, the my next big segment is in the Mazatzal Mountains. Oh yeah, and I think that's uh, twenty, maybe twenty through twenty-four. That covers quite a few segments. Right. But that is a spectacularly beautiful area. Have you have you done any hiking in the, the Mazatzal we, we Wilderness? We have. You come in through Barnhart Trail mm-hmm. up the back road and get right. up to the trail and head north, and you can walk. You know, and there's a there's a woman. That owns a ranch there. Right, she, I, let, she lets you stay at the bottom. I stayed okay. at her ranch. Yeah. yeah, I stayed at her ranch. She made me dinner and breakfast. She has a bunkhouse yeah. right on the Verde River, right on the East Verde River. Yeah. So the Mazatzals are beautiful. They're, They're just so unique. Yeah, they are. Okay, so your ebook. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, my ebook is it's a trail recipes ebook, whole foods to fuel your hikes. And you can get it free if you go to my website. My website is com, and you'll see something right there where you can just put in your email address and receive a free copy of my ebook, which then you'll also get my occasional emails where I talk more about this, these awesome. topics. I talk more about hiking, being in nature, the health benefits of getting outside. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's been I, a blast. I hope this wets the whistle of you listeners that are tuned in this morning about getting to our website, rosieonthehouse.com, and registering for your own Arizona staycation. We no hiking one. required. No hiking. volunteer. Right. No hiking. You can you can get to Sanderson Ford and and say and tell John, John, I want a 2018 Ford Mustang convertible GT, and he'll line it up for you. John, I want a F-150 Platinum. He'll line it up for you. I want a Focus, a Fusion, Explorer, Expedition. Hey, John, works it out. You get the car. You want from Sanderson Ford. Sweet Jennifer throws a gas card on the dashboard so you can get wherever you want to go in Arizona. It doesn't cost you a dime. And uh, Jen Gura, who's in studio now, is packaging all 12 staycations for next year. So as you apply each month, you'll know which location you're being. And right now, from November 15th through December 15th, the entries will be for the eight, the, the 19th and 20th of January. Okay. And it's a trip to Flagstaff. Okay. And uh, we're working on getting, you know, ski uh, accommodations lined I up. Saw, and I saw a big envelope come in the mail from Little America. The Little America's where you'll be staying. Oh, they send nice. a nice certificate for the winner to come and present, hey, I'm staying at this room. And okay. Doing this, we can, pre-selecting the date and the destination, we can make sure... A, there's a hotel open, and B, that we can bolster what it is. You know, we're going to work on ski lifts and Babbitt gifts cards and, you know, make it a whole uh, destination travel. So only at rosieonthehouse.com slash travel, A-Z.